Combi Life Podcasts, stories from the road less travelled. Welcome back to the Combi Life Podcast. We are here in our Combi YouTube studio and we are parked on the beach in southern Baja California, Mexico. Whew, is it hot? It is hot, but we're really excited because we've got a new adventure expert series coming out soon. Yeah. Uh, we're just releasing it on video and now on podcasts and we also are on iTunes. That's pretty exciting. We've actually made it. It's official. We are successful. We are on iTunes. Surely that's a measure of success. Well, calm down. We've only got, we've only got a couple of podcasts. Hey, we've got four Four podcasts Four podcasts. Hopefully a lot more coming soon with these adventure experts. Yeah, iTunes isn't really a measure of success because it's free to upload and, you know, anybody can do it. You guys can do it if you want to. The good thing about having our podcast on iTunes is that you guys can subscribe to it in your iTunes, which means that the next episodes will be downloaded automatically. Seriously, who wouldn't want that? Anyone would think it's Christmas. Right, Leah, so what's the subject for today's Adventure Experts episode? So today's Adventure Experts are going to be sitting down with Aidan Clemenko and talking yes. about bribes, bandits, borders and banditos. Bandits and banditos. Oh, did I say bandits twice? Yes, well, we will be talking about <laughs> bandits a lot, so I think it's okay that you said it twice. Yeah, basically all that stuff that people are usually worried about before they embark on their adventures. How do you stay safe whilst living on the streets, off-grid, in remote and sometimes a little sketchy locations? So we think this will be a really good way for us to give back to the community, the overlanding community and the adventure community, and hopefully inspire you guys at home if you're thinking about doing a journey and educate you on a few of the little mistakes that we made and some of the lessons we learned. That is the whole reason behind this Adventure Experts series is just to kind of give something back to you guys at home. So we hope that you like it. And before we get into our chat today, I would like to just thank our sponsor for this episode, which is... Combi life. So thanks, Leah. Thanks, Ben. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm seriously stoked to be producing this content for you. <laughs> On with the show. On with the show. Enjoy. Aidan Klemenko. Yeah. Nice to have you on the podcast, although we are actually doing this in your van, which is a, a pleasure to be in Otis himself. Yeah, I'm excited to actually be moving instead of broken down. Yeah, so. I feel your pain, brother. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, we're both road warriors. Um, both of us have lived for a long period of time in vans. Mm -hmm. both, of us, both of us have traveled south of the border. Mm -hmm. um, so today we're going to talk about borders, bandits, and the boys in blue. Basically, everybody's worst nightmare, the concerns that people have about Right. going across the border yeah. um, and how we've dealt with it and some of the stories of the encounters with the police or how like some difficult border crossings or even like the odd occasion when we've run into trouble with the um, less desirable members of society. But before we get into that, you should introduce yourself and what you've done. <laughs> Why were you in South America living in a So yeah, yeah, let's see, it was, I guess, at this point, two, two and a half years ago that me and three friends loaded up our van and drove down to South America to kind of just explore, to travel around and do photography stuff. Um, and that was great. Um, uh, the van broke down after a while, uh, which was tough. 
but uh, we figured it out, continued to travel a little bit, but we ran out of money ultimately, so. That happens. Yeah, that was tough, trying to figure out how to continue doing what we really wanted to do, but really not having the financial means of doing that, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, the nice thing about having a van is, no matter how much money you have, you always have somewhere to sleep. You have a home. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how long were you, were you there for all up? Uh, let's see, it was a year, a year total, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, from when we left to uh, when we came back. Okay, so you got a lot of experience living in a van in yeah, South America. Absolutely. absolutely. A lot of people are wanting to do this that trip mm -hmm. down to South America yeah. and a lot of people are scared about doing it and have a lot of concerns. So sure. we're gonna talk about what they are and how you overcome them and totally. all that stuff. Totally. Cool. People might know you from uh, like the first project that some of the people listening might have heard of your sure. your previous project. Yeah, Vanna Heroes. Vanna Heroes, yeah. the yeah. one and yeah. only. <laughs> that was a really cool project. Very yeah. inspiring. We were we were following it. We don't get a lot of opportunity to follow other travellers because mm -hmm. we're travelling so much ourselves and creating content ourselves. But yeah, you guys are definitely. The cool thing is well, when I was um, getting ready for that trip, uh, leading up to it. I was watching your videos. I was, I was, uh, I had just had a surgery on my shoulder uh, that had me bed rested for months uh, before leading up to the trip, which was good because I was able to really focus on the logistics and answer some of these questions that we're going to answer today. Mm. But I, me personally, I was looking at other people who were doing this yeah. for those answers, and that person was you, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. mostly, which is cool. So cool what, to see what, here now. And, yeah. What were your concerns going into that project uh, before leaving? I think leaving? number one, it was safety. You know, yeah. um, it's a big kind of, question mark. Isn't yeah, it? just like, what what are we getting into? You know, like is is this is this idiotic? You know, um, but uh, and, and aside from that, kind of just the logistics of how you know, like how much did it cost was you know a, a big thing, and no one was really able to answer that question, and I'm not sure if I'd really be able to answer that question either because it really varies on what you're doing and all that. But mm. um, kind of just the feasibility of you know um, the logistics that go into living in a vehicle and you know, how, how is it crossing borders, you know, like, mm. um, you know, just, just all that little stuff. Because uh, you hear horror, horror stories totally, all the time and people totally. expect to have, like, to go down there and have something happen or, right. yeah, so. Yeah. Well, and you're, and you're exposed, you know, yeah. like you, you're, you're on the street a lot of the time, you're, you're living in your vehicle and um, it's different than traveling out of a backpack and staying in hostels or going yeah. down and staying in hotels or doing family stays. Or Yeah, you're really amongst it, aren't you? You're, right, you're yeah. living on the street with it. these people, so yeah. and you don't always know what these towns are like when you arrive. You know, everywhere's foreign to you, everywhere's new to you, so mm -hmm. you kind of have to like develop kind of an intuition, totally. like an instinct. Of, Absolutely. Do we have a good feeling here? Is this safe? Um, but I guess like the problem, like the first problem we should talk about is the borders. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it seems fairly straightforward. People cross borders all the time. And right. that's kind of where I came to it from. I was like, pe other people have done this. It can be done. That shouldn't be a barrier. But it is a little bit of a headache. Mm -hmm. And sometimes yeah. there's issues. Did you ever run into any issues crossing borders going down to South America? I think that the with, with borders, it was every border was really, really similar in that there was always you know, a, a set of things that you had to do, uh, but then every border was also slightly different. They had one thing that you just couldn't really anticipate, you know? Um, and so you had to kind of just go into it knowing that things were gonna take a while, uh -huh. uh, that you're probably gonna have to go run around uh, to a few different places. It was probably gonna be a little redundant sometimes, um, but that at the end of the day you would get through, you know, because 
there was never a border that we weren't able to get across, you know, and, and you don't really ever hear of people never being able to cross the border. That, that doesn't happen very often. So Apart from when I tried to go back to the USA. And, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the USA, we have slightly different... Uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about like Central and South America borders where things are a little looser, sure. but like yeah. sometimes yeah. there are some borders in the world where, you know, you need your paperwork in order. And, well, and yeah. that's, I think that's a big thing with, with, with all of these is going into it with having, like, if, if you can do anything to expedite the process and just make it easier on both yourself and the people that you're working with, whether it's a border agent or whoever, having your paperwork, you know, having your, your passport, your entry, you know, whatever they gave you when you enter the country is always a little different. Um, but having all that stuff together and organized... Uh, and then having copies of everything because you're going to have to make copies of absolutely everything. And mm. Most of the time, these border towns are going to have little people or little little stands uh, where you can make copies and stuff like that. Sometimes they don't, and then in that in those situations, you got to go all the way back into town or you know whatever. And so having copies makes everything just a lot faster and just being nice, you know, being patient and just knowing that knowing that it's going to take a while, you know, and being okay with that, being cool with that. Is, yeah. Did you ever see that at some borders there's like the uh, kind of like border touts? People were like coming up and saying, hey, amigo. Oh, like, right, like AIDS you, or whatever, like yeah. I'll help you get through. Like, Well, they don't give you AIDS, but I mean, depends right. what place you get with them. Right. <laughs> oh, no, I get it. Uh, there was, yeah, a lot of that. Um, and I think we did, uh, sometimes they're really pushy and sometimes it's just like, all right, you know, like fine. Uh, one you, one kid uh, led us through, and that was great because it was it was really strange. We were, I can't remember what border it was. I think it was Honduras and Guatemala. Um, we were coming up to the border, and there was just like this massive amount of semi trucks just backlined up, like yeah. next to each other, and like we we couldn't really get through. And this this kid was like, "I can get you a way through," and we we're like, "All right, great." And he found this little route like through this maze of semi-trucks, I actually put a little tiny scratch on the side of my van trying to navigate these tight <laughs> corners in between these semis. And in that case, I was really I was really happy to, you know, have him there. But a lot of the times it would be like, I don't know, I, I know how to do this, I'm cool, I really appreciate it. I think that a lot of those people um, expect you not to speak any Spanish. And I, I speak Spanish would made it a lot easier for me to, sure. to do that. Um, whereas if I didn't speak the language, paying that little surplus to make it that much easier, I think is uh, mm. worth it, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard reports from people um, that have gone through the borders and they they pay for the um, the guys to do it. And one of the advantages is that it gives them some work. Mm -hmm. um, totally. And two, if if you find the process a little overwhelming, then they do guide you through it. So it's definitely right. an option. I don't really like negotiating. Yeah, and, you know, I I try to avoid that. If I can avoid costs. it, then I, yeah, then I absolutely will. So I, personally, I always just went for the process, and it's it was fairly straightforward. And you always, I th you always have to be a little bit mindful too of the fact that you know, they're they're. Whenever you're dealing with money and you know documents and stuff like that, there's a huge chance of you getting ripped off. You don't want to give your passport to somebody, yeah. obviously, and have them, you know, because you you could. I think a lot of the times people play when you, when you get screwed over, it's people playing on your ignorance or your kind of just oblivion, obliviousness to a situation, and they'll say, "I need your passport," and then you give them your passport, and they never come back. You know that that mm. stuff happens, and so I think you still have to be careful um, with you know how you do it. But I think that if if people are around. I think that's a great, great way to get through faster. Yeah. Um, so having documents in order, that's definitely mm -hmm. a good tip. Um, I, I, I kind of learned that on the way and just start carrying totally. photocopies with me. Because you can do it most of the time when you're there, but it's just easier and makes it faster, right? I, I lost my entry form in, I think, Honduras, and it was such a hassle oh, to man, yeah. like just not have the thing that they need and 
you know, not really know what to do. They didn't really even know what to do. And eventually they were just like, all right, you know, fine, get out of here. But you know, just having everything together makes everything so much easier. Let's talk about money at the border. Mm. Um, often you'll need to change money. Mm. I found that changing money with the touts at the border was actually really good. Yeah. I didn't have any problems. Man. I double checked the money I, and the exchange rate I got was better than, than what I could have got at the I've gotten bank. screwed over with so many fake bills in the past. Oh, yeah, However, yeah. Every, every time that happened was, it was years ago. Um, the last time down in South America with Vanaheros, I don't think we really had too many issues with fake bills at all, which is really cool because then it makes it a lot easier to, when you don't have to worry about fake bills, you can change with anybody. Mm. But when, you have, when, you, all of a sudden, when you're worrying about fake bills, then you just have that in the back of your mind all the time because you, you don't want to like, because sometimes they're really good, but then you go to a restaurant or grocery store and they won't accept it because it's fake, then you're screwed, you mm. know? Um, and so I, I always just have this, I, I, I change at banks most of the time um, because I'm, for the most part, nervous. But if, if I'm in a country that is not known for having fake bills, then yeah, of course, I'll change the people on street because it will be cheaper. And, you know, it helps them out a little bit too. It definitely mm-hmm. helps to get the, the currency of the country you're trying. Like, say you check out of one country. It's mm-hmm. usually the process. You get to the border, you check out of one country, and then you start the process to check into the next. I have... And sometimes uh, they only accept their local currency. So it's right. hard to get the yeah. currency beforehand. True. True. And then you, so you're forced, you're forced to do it then yeah. and there. I, I have a habit of asking the border agents if fake bills are an issue in that country. That's because a good that's idea. like right then and there they'll be like yeah there's a ton of fake bills and then i'm a little bit more wary and if i have to change it on the border i can at least like get an understanding of how to identify that fake bill or whatever because I mean, we're, we're traveling on a budget you know every dollar counts and like i don't want to i don't want to lose any money on something that that stupid you know um but yeah, like you said sometimes you're forced into changing right then and there because you need to pay a fee or whatever and, mm. and stuff do you, let's talk about um, paying fees and often I've been at borders and they've asked me like you need to pay three dollars to get in to finalize this paperwork. Right. Yeah, I was going to say sometimes they ask you for money when you're not, you don't really, you don't need to pay that, that fee but they ask, have you ever, did you ever have issues where they told you, because like, you've told me before that there's been times where they're like you need to pay for these six, six, six and you mm-hmm. really don't need to. Yeah, you don't need to and often it's just the border person working at that time asking for a little bit of money. You can give them the money if you want, but I gen- generally ask them um, for a receipt yeah. or somewhere in writing that it says that this is a fee I have to pay. If you can, if you can before going to a, a new country, find out what the um, cost for going in is or what fees you can expect, either from other travelers or uh, somewhere online. Sometimes it's hard online because it, you know, it's all, sometimes not all that information is online. Um, it helps because then you know going into it if you know someone's mm. pulling your leg or not when yeah. they're like you know you have to pay fifty dollars for this or whatever mm-hmm. when you're like wait a minute you know i heard that this was free then you can you know it's a little red flag that goes up at least yeah. i'll tell you a story about when i tried to do that one time i was so sure that you didn't have to pay i was trying to get across honduras i was only going to be there for a few 30, hours 30 dollars, yeah. dollars and i was whatever. like yeah. this you're driving across this country which is kind of no offense to honduras it's a beautiful place mm-hmm. but it's Kind of in the way when you're trying to get somewhere because it's a little strip that goes across the bottom part. <laughs> oh, of the, the bottom, yeah, absolutely. I was and worried about having to pay again because I, yeah. Yeah, so like I was trying to get from, where would it have been, Nicaragua to El Salvador. El Salvador yeah. And I had to spend a few hours in Honduras driving across the country. Yeah. Um, and I had to pay 30 something dollars. And so again. I said to the guy, like, the same thing. I was like, um, I don't mean to be offensive all in Spanish, but I just sometimes people ask me for money that I don't need to pay. Right. So if you could just show me somewhere 
that it's written down so that I know it's legit. Sure. And he completely took offence to it. Right. And I was being really polite. And he said, uh, sorry, you're just gonna, I'll get that for you, but you just got to wait for me to serve everybody else. And everybody else took about six to eight hours. Wow. Yeah, until he finished his shift and then wow. a woman came. Um, he said, my supervisor will be here in a minute just to help you. And all he was he was just making me wait until it was yeah. a change of shift. And then I got through in the evening. But uh, I just it, by that point, obviously, I was like, take $30, please. Right. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. I remember we paid thirty dollars because we we spent some time in Honduras, uh, and uh, that was it, was. it was surprising because uh, a lot of borders are free or um, cheaper than thirty dollars. Thirty dollars was the most expensive one that we that, that, that yeah. we uh, yeah. Had. And we were only. Uh, it was only a few days later that we were crossing over that little uh, bottom part when crossing uh, into uh, El Salvador, and I tried to show him like, look, guys, I just paid this a few days ago up there, you know, but. Still, it, it had nothing to do with time. It was more that you left the country and came back in. And mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I remember that. But I, I loved Honduras. Honduras is a great country. I, I did run into a few troubles at borders. Um, I spent a night in Guatemala. I didn't cancel my car. What, like the, the process, like you said, is different for every country. And in yeah. this particular country, coming into Guatemala, I had to register my car. I think they even gave me a stamp in my passport, which covered a whole page. That's really important, by the way, guys. If you're going to travel through the Americas or any long distance, it's important to take care of your passport. When you hand it over, make sure you tell oh, them, yeah, put totally. the stamp in the corner, because otherwise I'll put it in the center of the page and you will fill up your passport and be stuck in El Salvador for six weeks like I was, yeah. or some <laughs> other place. But yeah, yeah take care of that. Guatemala, they put a full page stamp in mm -hmm. my passport. And when it came to the checkout process, the lady didn't fill it in properly or didn't take the paperwork. And I just trusted that she knew what the process was. And when I came to come back into Guatemala, Later, I actually ended up having to sign the car over to my travel partner in their name in Guatemala. Right. Just to get the car like re-registered for the road. How so, is that with the car going through borders? Like, do you do you need to keep registered? What, what's the process for getting? Um, like, what's I the think you, having having your title with you yeah. uh, is get get your title laminated. I'd never got my title laminated. I actually had for, with the van that I went down with last time. I had two titles because I thought I lost my title, so I got a replacement. And so it was an identical title, it's just the title number was different. So I used the one that was replaced mm -hmm. uh, as the title I'd give down to everybody. Um, and you know, it start, you, you unfold and fold it up so much that it gets to be a little fragile, but that is your number one, mm -hmm. number one thing that you need anywhere is your title. Mm -hmm. um, so get your title laminated for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and have a ton of copies of it. Uh, but aside from the title, um, Insurance? How was that? Yeah, so yeah, insurance too. Um, but most countries, yeah, that's a good question. Um, every country would offer insurance at the border that you could buy. Oh, really? Yeah, you could buy. You were in a lot of countries. That was the cost. That was the you know the thirty dollars from Honduras or whatever. A lot of the times that was for a temporary insurance that you'd have for the you know your your for the, for the time of your visa. Sometimes yeah. it was quite affordable. I think I paid like eight dollars yeah. coming in in Costa Rica. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I, I actually paid a few dollars in Panama too because it was compulsory and because it was available at the border right. and I needed it. Like right. I, I backed into a car there, so. Yeah. And most of them compulsory to have insurance. Yeah, yeah it's required. In, it in yeah. yeah, some of them it, it's not. Like Mexico, you don't need insurance. No. Yeah, you can get by without paying it um, in a lot of them. But I've, I've had um, police ask for insurance. Oh, really? Totally, uh, yeah. in, in country stuff. And that just covers you for an accident to... to yeah, it, it, it's not going to cover anything on your car. It's just, just uh, liability on yeah. uh, on the other person. Yeah, 
that's nice to have as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They asked for it for Mexico when we went down, when we crossed over, they asked for it. And something, that one, Mexico I had to get ahead, I was told I had to get ahead of time, but when I got down there, I did see that there were places at the border, but I, mm -hmm. I did, I got it online, it was pretty easy, mm -hmm. so. And quickly, yeah. just going back on like the border crossing, did you ever come across any, um, any times where you needed to bribe people for, mm -hmm. like, did you get any? I never bribed. Uh, I never bribed anybody. Uh, you must have had invitations to bribe. Like people were like, yeah. you must have seen it. Like this guy's I, looking yeah, for a bribe. Uh, invitations to bribe for sure. One time we got pulled over uh, coming into Cancun, and we're driving, you know, an '80s VW van, and you know, we're coming into Cancun, which is known for you know a place for you know Americans to come down and party, you know, mm. do a bunch of drugs or whatever. And so they, I think, just knew that we had something in the van. We didn't. Luckily, we had we had absolutely nothing. So we were totally cool. But I think we sat there for maybe an hour and a half while he tore apart absolutely everything. He like obviously he just pulled you over on the side He just of the pulled road. us over. Yeah, it was just you know you get stopped all the time mm. driving through Latin America for people to check papers and stuff. Mm. Um, and this is the only time that they didn't just like you know let us go by. They like, stopped because they, they they obviously wanted either us to like bribe them to stop or mm. to find something and then us to bribe our way out of the situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we were just. Like they came to, he found our like our cigarettes and he's like, "What are these?" They didn't find anything in Glasgow, begrudgingly, but um, that was the only. Uh, That's I think another major concern for people is the um, boys in blue. You yeah. know, like the the police are aren't always um, operating within the law. Like in Chile, they're really good. I think outside of Chile, through South America, it gets worse the further away you get. Um, and we got stopped a lot by the police, mm -hmm. checking for papers, we got stopped by the military. Anywhere up the Pan American Highway, like on the route the north, time. the cocaine route north, yeah. you know, there's yeah. a lot of drugs yeah. and arms checks. It's, uh, it's guns, they're looking for guns. Yeah, and because you, you see yeah. it, right? Sometimes yeah. at some of the borders they'll show pictures of what they've confiscated. Mm -hmm. And one thing I noticed in common was all those pictures were from large vehicles, like right. gas tanks hollowed out in um, big semis. Totally. You know, we not were... tiny little VWs going past. And so so in Colombia, an interest, interesting little story, we, we were in Colombia and, um, uh, at the end of each month, uh, the, they would run out of gasoline. There just wouldn't be enough gasoline to go around. And mm -hmm. so um, people would, and it was illegal to fill up tanks in reserve because yeah. that would just make it so that people would run out of gasoline earlier, yeah. uh, that they would all run out of gasoline earlier. Um, and uh, they would, uh, we, we were at a gas station and saw a big semi get pulled over and the cop was pulling barrel after barrel after barrel of uh, gasoline out from underneath him and arrested the guy and, because he was just, you know, filling up gas and then, you know, reselling it. But it was actually really inconvenient because nobody told us about that, so we ran out of gas. We were, we were, our whole, the whole plan for the four of us was to get to Ecuador. We were so excited to get to Ecuador and we were so close. We were in southern Colombia. We were like, we we're going to go the next day, but then we ran out of gas and had to wait a week because there was nowhere to fill gas. <laughs> That's not a, a problem that you would get up here, I don't think. It's just a good example of having to be open to, like, with the borders. Like, I was saying with the borders, just, you know, completely just being open-minded. Yeah, but that's, yeah, it, that's yeah. not yeah. a problem. Like, like you said to me yesterday, um, you know, when you break down or you run into troubles, you've already got your house there. Right. Everything's yeah. fine. Yeah. You know, like, say you park up and you go explore the, the yeah, different exactly. place. Exactly. The, the idea of driving versus flying or taking buses is to be able to spend time in between, you yeah. know, to be able to really explore the places in between destinations. And if you get a flat tire somewhere, if your engine blows somewhere, if you run out of gas somewhere, whatever, that's, those, are, those are obstacles that you can see not as obstacles, but as opportunities to 
explore yeah. that place that you find yourself in that moment, you yeah. know, and that's mm-hmm. a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. I noticed um, that, like I said, the, the majority of vehicles that were being pulled over for arms and drugs were huge vehicles. Mm-hmm. And so I quickly identified the fact that they were looking through my tiny little camera bag, which couldn't <laughs> at, like contain an AK-47, you know, or any substantial drugs. amount of drugs. They were looking for something that they could use to bribe me. Right. Like yeah. They were looking in tiny containers mm-hmm. for so like a little a li- bit of cocaine. Yeah, a little, little bit, bit of weed, weed or really. something. Yeah, yeah. So that they could say, right, you're yeah. in big trouble. Yeah. You've got to give me some money because right. that's that's they've there's been a precedent for that they found it before and they bribed tourists before and you know for the most part like i just kind of like you have to facilitate them i've got pulled over so many times driving my v-dub like it's just a absolute beacon when i was going through mexico with six surfer boys all like hair blowing out eight surfboards on the roof they're like gold they would literally pull me over i had a few techniques for it like Mm -hmm. i actually experimented with the different ways that you can speak with the police Mm -hmm. i've I've tried getting angry like for the eighth time in one day i got pulled over and i was trying to get somewhere and it was only a few hundred miles why not try some different ways yeah literally i was like i said this is ridiculous i got i pulled i got pulled over half a mile ago like you know why it's supposed to be random why you know just frustrated and it's the worst thing to do so i'll clearly state the worst thing you can do is throw your toys out of your pram (laughs) like don't lose your temper, no. like, because they no. after that they were knocking on the tubes underneath and all yeah. the underneath to see yeah. if it was hollow. Totally. They were like ripping up my floor, which is nailed down. Yeah. I was like, dude, wow. like, yeah. I haven't got any drugs in there just because yeah. the car's from Chile, you know. I, I found with I it's think a lot of the times anyway. with because we got stopped all, all the time too, and a lot of the times you hear that you know it's really it's, it's good to just pretend that you know play dumb you know pretend like you don't speak the language just. And I think that probably does work a lot of the times, but I do speak Spanish, and I think that it worked to my advantage most of the time mm-hmm. to be able to answer all the questions, be nice, Explain. tell them exactly where I'm going, mm-hmm. what we're doing, and I can see that they'd, they'd be surprised. You know, mm-hmm. it'd, it'd catch them off guard, and they'd be like, oh, well, okay, and yeah. let us go, and that, that worked a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. I did, not on the Vanna Harris trip, but I did have to bribe. Uh, I was in Colombia, and it was, I was 18, um, and I was traveling around for a while, uh, backpacking, um, it was Thanksgiving, and we were uh, in Parque Tarona in like the northern part on the uh, Caribbean coast. And I had some weed with me because I wanted to go smoke weed on the beach. It was Thanksgiving, you know. Uh, and uh, I you wouldn't have expected this national park to be, you know, have a security checkpoint with the military checking oh. you harder than, you know, I've been checked at airports. Uh, and so, of course, they found my weed. And I was so stressed out, you know. Mm. I was stressed out. I was like, man, this sucks so much. And they were just like we're going to deport you, you know, like, this is bad, you know, this looks really bad for you, and I was just like, man, this sucks, but they kept talking about it over and over mm. and over, but they weren't doing anything, mm. and then there's like 15, 20 minutes of them, t- them telling me how bad of a situation I was in, and I was like, oh, that's right, they, they want to I'm supposed to bribe these guys, <laughs> <laughs> completely forgot about it. but I was so broke, um, I, I was just out of money, and I had, you know, like, the equivalent of, like, $10, They're like, we want 20 bucks, and I was like, oh, guys, I got 10, I got $10, I'm leaving the country tomorrow. And they're like, fine, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> they gave me my weed, so I was oh, able really? to go to the park and smoke yeah, my weed. Yeah. yeah, the police are good like that. They're always looking for a bribe. Right. Um, I just had, I tried the speaking Spanish thing to them. I found that more often than not, that engaged the conversation, which just took up too much time. Like, totally. they'd see my Chilean plates, they'd, you know, then they'd be like, where are you going? Where are you coming from? And like it was that, just yeah, that's that's an element that I didn't have to deal with having a South American vehicle. Yeah. That's a whole nother level of questions that yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so I think maybe that brought us more. You know, I've had I've had policemen in the in Alaska pull me over just to or come over just to chat, chat. chat like, oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. What's the story with the plates? The first time I got pulled over in South America on the road, like actually not like not a a stopping point, but actually like pulled over. Uh, we were on the highway um, going down uh, Mexico on the paved highway because in Mexico you can go on the paved highway or you can go on uh, the paved highway that or, sorry the, the paid highway. The paid highway that is like really nicely paved, oh, um, yes, not nice. a lot of traffic. You blast through, um, or you can go like through towns on you know the not as nice road, but much more interesting because you're going through town and stuff. But we were on the um, we were trying to go fast. So we were trying to pick a friend up from the airport, so we had to get to Mexico City quickly. And a cop pulled us over, and we were like, oh shit, you know, getting our paperwork together. And he just came over. And she's like, where are you guys from? You know, like, what, are you, <laughs> what are you guys up to? You know, and we were just like. Uh, he just wanted to, he was just curious. Yeah. Really nice guy. Yeah. Welcomed us to Mexico. Told us to have a good time. And yeah. I'll tell you, um, I'm, I'm actually going to make a video about uh, the ways I, I dealt with police because I recorded all the, my interactions. Oh, cool. And I, tr I recorded like the different um, approaches. I tried not speaking Spanish. Yeah. Okay? yeah. I, I always say no hablo españolio. Right. Like, oh, which nice. is wrong. That's pretty good. And, and it makes me look like a fool. And, it, and so they're just like, I'll just get out of here. Mm. And most of the time, that was the quickest way to end the conversation. Yeah. You know, they'd be like, uh, you just went through a traffic light. And I'm like, um, sprechen Sie Deutsch? <laughs> <laughs> you know, even if they speak a little bit totally. of English, it doesn't totally. go very far. And I'm like, totally. sorry, I don't really understand. And I found that was the easiest way. Like, I've tried to backtrack. I've tried to like start with, you know, speaking Spanish. And then I can see it's not working. I don't understand you. And sometimes they're like, you know, OK. But yeah, most of the time they'd be like, you were just talking to me. Yeah, I've had a I've had a policeman um, tell me that I broke the law. I went through a, a light or something, which I may or may not have been true. I'm not sure. Um, and stand there and tell me I need to pay like five hundred dollar fine. Yeah. And I've just like I've literally played him so that he's standing in the bright sun and it's like thirty like thirty degrees Celsius outside, yeah. like hundred degrees Fahrenheit or something. Yeah. Um, and just stood there and waited until he got too hot and just seen the sweat beading off him. <laughs> And just been like, I don't understand. Yeah, Sorry. It's just waiting game. You know, who's yeah, in the like, I, mean, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have got all day. I don't have to be anywhere. Exactly. Like, how long are you? What do you want to wait for? The one one situation which really did suck was we were driving through Nicaragua and um, got stopped by the police. And uh, Madison and I were in the front seats. Joel and Parker, the other two people traveling with us, were in the back seats. And um, I don't. We didn't really have wear the seatbelts in the back seats, but we wore seatbelts in the front seats a lot, um, especially because we get stopped all the time. Mm. Um, and so we were definitely wearing seatbelts. But he poked his head in back, and I don't know if he really saw that they were wearing seatbelts or not. Uh, but he he claimed that nobody in the car was wearing seatbelts and gave us a big ticket. But we also saw like it was there was a line of people in front of us as we drove up to this stop, and everybody they were giving tickets to absolutely everybody mm. uh, for one reason or another, and um, he asked for my uh, driver's license, so I gave him my driver's license, and then he's like. As I was handing it to him, he's like, okay, I'm going to keep this until you pay it. You have to go into town yeah. and pay this ticket, and then I'll give you your driver's license back when you bring the receipt back for the ticket that you paid. And uh, so I was still holding it, and so I tried to pull it back from him. I was like, no, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give you my driver's mm. license, you know? Like, you're not going to be able to keep my driver's license. And we were, like, playing tug-of-war, no like, way. in the window oh with goodness. it. And he was getting really angry and stuff, and he reached for his handcuffs, and I was just like, all right, take it. Uh, and then we went, so we went into town oh, to pay the to pay the fine. And, I, and at that point, I was like, okay, like he's asking to try and bribe him. I was like, mm. is, I didn't. I, I just said, is this something that I can pay for now? Can I pay you this amount to like and not have to go into town because we're not going that direction? We just came from there, you know, it was like an hour away or something like mm. that. 
He's like, no, you have to go pay it. He wasn't looking for a bribe at all. Mm. He, they were just giving out tickets and, you know. So, what so that's a good do? point. Sometimes uh, so I went into town, but the, the difficult part was he was right in between two towns. So we went into one town, and they're like, we have no idea who that officer is. You know, looking mm. at us like we're idiots. And we're like, uh, okay. And then so we went to this other town, and they were like, yeah, okay. And so I, I paid it there, and then we went back to his stand, and he wasn't there anymore. He yeah. had switched posts. It totally sounds like what would happen. Mm. And so we were like, can, where can we find this officer? And they're like, oh, we have no way of getting in touch with him. You know, it's not like we have radios that we can call him on or anything like that. You have to wait here until his shift is done. And he might come back to the station after work if he doesn't go straight home. Mm. And we were like, are you kidding me? And so we sent, uh, I stayed at the station while Madison, Joel, and Parker <laughs> literally walked the streets looking for this police officer wow. and I, I, I waited there for hours and he finally came back and I was just like you motherfucker you know here's the receipt and he was just really like cold about it and was just like yeah here's your license mm. and yeah and that was that was really dumb that took all it was a whole all day like you know six seven hour uh thing trying to find my license and that would have really sucked because we were still on the way down and um so I was saying earlier that your title is important, but your driver's license is important too. In, in some yeah. in some countries, some countries don't care whether you have a driver's license or not, but some countries really do. You yeah. know, and so having that is mm. a good thing. You know, mm. people wonder why it takes so long to drive down to South America. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Have to do like a shit like that. Yeah. So to wrap up the whole bribe thing, because we need to go on a break. Okay. Um, right. Sometimes you have no choice but to pay the bribe. Like in that, that situation, sometimes you like have no you, choice. You know, um, they're going to give you a fine. You're going to have to go. You can't talk your way out fighting. of it. I go down fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I have, I have too. Um, but I mean, sometimes I don't know. I, I think, I think that one, one of the big things that you have to remember is that you can't really just. It, it's really easy to have this really negative connotation with law enforcement when you expect everybody to be just super corrupt Dirty. and have to bribe everybody yeah. and stuff. But it's, it's hard to travel around when you don't trust anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, your lab just fell off. Oh, that's why I was thinking. Um, right. It's hard. It's hard to be in a place and not allow yourself to be open to people. You know, if you're closed off to everybody, then you're not going to have a good time. So you mm -hmm. have to give people the benefit of the doubt yeah, a lot of, of the times. And um, sometimes you got to bribe somebody. A lot of the times you don't have to. You just got to be nice and cordial and trust that you know they're good people and you know here's, let you on your way. Here's the thing about bribes. I've never paid a bribe in the eight years that I've traveled all around the world, yeah. but I've got, been very close to paying a bribe. If you find yourself in a situation when you do have to pay a bribe, yeah. like, and that does happen. Like, right, in, like if I have weed on me, and yeah. they're gonna either arrest me or yeah, like, like, you know. Like if that situation happens, just so people know, the quicker you can pay that bribe, the cheaper it will be, and yeah. the faster you'll get out of trouble. Because if you are arrested by one officer, um, then he takes you to the station. Now you have to bribe the officer and the person that's totally. at the station. And if you get into a cell, now you have to bribe a whole bunch of people. And mm. if you get into jail, Jesus Christ, I hope you've got a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't want to. Don't want to be stuck in Latin American jails. Hell no. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go for a quick break, and we'll be back. Cool. I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far, guys, and you're finding it interesting. Um, we, we really wish that we could have you guys sitting around a campfire with us. That's how we'd love to do it, but it would have to be a bloody big campfire to fit us all around. So this is the best that we can do. Film a conversation and share it with you. And So I hope you are enjoying it. Just to um, give you a little breather, we'll take this little commercial break here so that you can digest all of that awesome content and mainly so we can give ourselves a shameless plug. Cha-ching! Today's amazing shameless plug 
Today's plug is our own Overlanding South America ebook, and it's free. It's actually free. Well, it's a donation-based product, so you can donate whatever you like, and we would love it if you donated something, but we would just mainly like it if you went and read it. So please get over to combilife.com. That's combi with a K, but you already knew that. And go download the free ebook, which is basically our entire South Amer American journey when the cameras weren't rolling. Everything that happened that we couldn't record because it was early days for our YouTube production back then. So lots of stuff happened from murder to corruption to all sorts, all sorts of good stuff that you might expect. It's a very good read. It's like about 80 pages, lots of cool pictures too. So we know you're going to enjoy it. If you haven't already checked out our Overlanding South America ebook, go to our website, combilife.com and grab yourself a copy. Now back to the conversation. All right. Okay, so in the first part of our conversation, we discussed crossing borders mm -hmm. in foreign countries and also some of the troubles that you can run into with the boys in blue, the police, the army and the military and the various roadblocks along the way. I think probably though, the most uh, scary prospect is running into bandits, banditos. <laughs> Um, basically people that want to do you harm or rob you on the way. Did you have any kind of fears before you left the US? I think that it's good to always, you know, be wary and be, have your guard, you know, up. But yeah, I think that we, we'd heard a lot about, especially in Mexico. In the United States, we have this really, we're really scared of Mexico. You know, we have this uh, just idea that everything is just bad and, I don't know. And Mexico was tough, especially be, being our first crossing over. It was the first, you know, our s first steps into Latin America. And so we were nervous about that, but I think that it all kind of went away really quickly. I think that it's really important to um, have your wits about you and go into situations with a good head on your shoulders and not being dumb about, you know, where you are. And That goes with every country you go to. Like, everyone thinks that South America is, is worse than in than most countries, but it's, I think it's with any countries you're going to find trouble if you're not careful, if you're not aware of right. your surroundings. I tell you, one of the, the issues with doing van life or overlanding through foreign countries or any country is uh, they've all been foreign to me so far. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually done it in my own country, but um, the. The trouble is that you're always outside, you're always vulnerable, and the more your rig looks flamboyant and flashy mm -hmm. and you know covered with all these gadgets that they don't get on their standard vehicles, um, the more attracted people could be to steal things from you. Yeah, when people realize that it's your home, that right. your possessions are in the, in the we van. Were, we were worried about that uh, for the most part, and we definitely never like, you know, we didn't really ever clean the van or anything like that because we figured why draw attention to mm. it, you know, unnecessary attention. Yeah. But, um, at first, I thought that we were going to be okay because we're in an old car, and but after like uh, after it was all built for the adventure and stuff, it stuck out like a sore thumb. You know, it was obviously. I mean, it, it drew a lot of attention no matter what, whether it was dirty, whether it wasn't, mm -hmm. uh, whether it was clean or whatever. It, it drew a lot of attention, and could have been the four gringos that were driving it. Yeah, exactly. I think that at some point it's unavoidable. You mm -hmm. know, it's um, at the end of the day, like you are going to be out there and exposed and it's going to be hard to blend in and just understanding that is is mm. before going into it I think is important. So what did you, you both of you do 
to your van to prepare it, like security and all that? Is there any things that you did that would make it we, easier for? We had some spots in the van that we could hide stuff mm -hmm. that was at least enough hidden that somebody breaking in and trying to grab whatever they saw as quickly as they can wouldn't find, you know, our laptops or cameras and stuff like that. I think obviously... Yeah, you had a lot of equipment. We had a lot of equipment, was, yeah, yeah, a lot of equipment. And like when you when it comes down to it, these vans aren't, you know, the most secure things in the world. We don't have modern security systems or whatever. And mm -hmm. so like, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that we were always nervous about. We were always nervous about leaving the van for long periods of time anywhere, unattended. Um, really careful about that. Um, but at the same time too, we lived in the van, so mm. it really there wouldn't be that many times when we'd be away from it for long periods of times to, to worry about. There were a few times in Belize we went and spent a night on an island um, somebody invited us out to and so we left the beat we left it at the beach um, and that's always always a little nerve-wracking you know but um, y y you're gonna have to leave it sometimes you know mm -hmm. like if you're bound to your van the whole time then that's gonna be miserable. Yeah but. yeah I do think that you need to leave it as little as possible. I don't like leaving my van, yeah. um, but sometimes it's unavoidable because yeah. you, you cut yourself off from some of the experiences. Like I did the same thing in Belize. I parked yeah. up and went to one same of Same island, Willow's Island. You went to Willow's yeah. Island, high five. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, because you, uh, I remember like, yeah, it was That's at Hopkins cool. Beach uh, and um, we were chilling on Hopkins and like made friends with this dude who owned this little restaurant on the beach and he let Hopkins us park next awesome. to his you know thing. and. We kicked it there, and then I remember uh, watching your uh, episode about going to Willow's Island, and then uh, I was like in the van, and Joel and Parker came over, and they're like, yo, we just met this girl who owns this island, and I was like, Willow. Well, yeah, we talked about you uh, with Willow, and she's... Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. cool, that's a cool little situation. Mm -hmm. Anyone listening, going to Belize, look up the island yeah. project. She's not there anymore. I wonder if it's still around. Yeah. She's, she's been there too. Yeah, <laughs> Leah's been there but too. she's not there anymore. She's rented it out to, to two German couples that are looking after it. She was trying to make it into uh, like a hostel and stuff. Airbnb and hostel, yeah. Yeah, at one point. But still worthwhile getting out to the Keys. It was a tiny case. island. Keys, Keys? Mm -hmm. The keys? Keys. The Belizean keys. Okay, Belizean keys, yeah. 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 Still yeah. worth getting out there even if you don't go and see Willow's Island. But, but back to, so anyway, what, what, what have we done to our vans, you know, like for security stuff? And I, I, I don't know. We, I, I tinted the windows. I think that was a big thing for just, um, first and foremost, making it harder to look into the windows. That is know? a good place to start, start it because most of these crimes that are committed are opportunistic. Exactly. You they past, see something, they see something and, and they yep. grab it. Yeah. And if you cut out them seeing that, that's mm -hmm. a really good idea. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think really uh, the most important thing is to just be conscious of where you are. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's, every country is going to have places that are okay and every country is going to have places that aren't okay. Mm -hmm. And knowing whether you're in a place that is okay or not okay is a big thing. Mm -hmm. At one point we were in uh, Panama um, getting our paperwork ready for crossing uh, over the gap. Luckily we timed it right with the ferry, like one of the two months that it was ever running or whatever. Um, but So we got across the ferry, but still had to do some paperwork. And so I left the van with Joel and Parker while Madison and I went over, you know, across the highway to do our paperwork at the police station. And they were, kind of, they were parked in kind of a sketchy neighborhood, but there was two of them in the van. They had the door open like this, and they were both working on their laptops. And someone jumped in the van and tried to rip the laptop out of uh, Joel's hand. What? Uh, and I don't think he realized there was two people in the van because they said that he was kind of surprised, but then they like wrestled with them. They actually broke our laptop screen, which was really inconvenient because we were doing all of our work, all of our work on this laptop. Uh, oh. Oh, sorry. And so uh, it like, 
it really slowed everything down. But they, yeah, they wrestled with him, and uh, he ran away. And they just, you know, he he only got away with having broken our laptop screen and uh, ripping, you know, Joel and Parker's pants. It seems like it'd be pretty rare for somebody to try and steal something off you while you were in, in there. Yeah, exactly. And that was the, they they knew they were in kind of you know a sketchy place. Like it was obvious, but they thought that because they were in there, it was. Okay, and it was so hot. Like I can't blame him for having the door open. It was incredibly hot, you know, and in the yeah, middle of the day in the sun, wrong like, at right? All. And so, um, I th yeah, that's just st stuff is going to happen. You know, you're going to. What I, 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 I personally, in all my travels through Latin America over the years, have never had. Well, I've had one encounter with somebody face to face who tried to rob me, mm. um, but he was really drunk and just kind of belligerent, and it really didn't end up being all that threatening of a situation. And so I've been lucky, but I, you, you hear about these stories, and I think that you just got to understand that it it might not happen, it might happen. You know, mm -hmm. it's that's that's part of the territory. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, you're going to be taken advantage of at some point. You know, you're going to lose money to something or someone, and that really sucks. That's a really hard thing to have happen. Yeah. But the important thing is to not let that completely taint your view or your perception yeah, of where you are. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really easy to, you know, it's really easy to have something really shitty happen and be like, fuck this place, you know, I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah. Or, or a string of things happen. And that's really tough because there's good people everywhere. And if, 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 you, if you can't trust people when you travel, then you're going to have a miserable time, you know. If you yeah. can allow yourself to find that balance between trusting and being wary, mm -hmm. then you'll you'll have a great time, yeah. you know? But that's hard to find sometimes. Yeah, so. that's a good point. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people that are going to be um, thinking about doing van life in Latin America, like um, doing the coast and doing a lot of surf trips, we've got, um, we get a lot of questions all the time about what you do with your car and your vehicle while you're while surfing. While you're surfing, it's tough. Um, and also, how do you protect, like, what's on the roof of your car, like the surfboards and, like, how do you... Because you have... Okay, had... so, yeah, I mean, we've we've taken that pretty seriously because pretty much anything hanging up on the vehicle in certain countries, if you're away from it, they'll take it. If you're looking the other way from it, mm -hmm. from it, they'll take it. Mm -hmm. um, I've had people take, like, my wetsuit whilst it's been hanging up right next to me. I've had, you know, all sorts of stuff. Surfboards stolen out of the shadows as soon as it gets dark. People creeping up in the shadows where they can't be mm -hmm. seen to take the surfboards out that are just yeah. a little bit out of sight. Um, so you've got to keep everything near. Like number one, like keep it out of sight and keep everything near. It's tiring. It's tiring yeah. to, to have to, to think about that all the time. Yeah. You know? But you do because yeah. we live outside. You know, like we this lifestyle. We're, like you're saying, we're so, you're so exposed so much of the time, and your stuff while you try and keep it in the van obviously is going to be outside of the van too and having to always think about that stuff. We had flip flops with us. We'd go through so many pairs of flip flops because we'd keep them outside of the van sometimes yeah. underneath the van and wake up and they'd just be gone. Mm. And our camp chairs. So when, when I, in, in Colombia and Cartagena, someone had taken one of our camp chairs and flip flops. Camp chairs we usually would put back up, but uh, flip flops would always be under the van and people would always take them. Mm. Someone took our, uh, the only other thing that someone took uh, from us was our trasheroo which is the, um, it's kind of like a big backpack that goes on your spare tire and you put all your trash in it. It holds those big pl black plastic uh, trash oh, bags. Yeah. And you can put all your trash in it, which is great because you don't have it inside the van. Yeah. And especially with four people in the van, we would generate a lot of trash and um, someone stole that um, at the end of the trip. I think we, we'd always find it unclipped and open because a ton of people would go in looking and see what it was and realize trash. it was just trash <laughs> and then lose interest, you know? And yeah. one person in Guayaquil, Ecuador, at the end, like our last like two days in in South America, finally got it. But we didn't realize it until like a few weeks later. Like, what happened to the trash? Yeah, it takes a while. I was right? looking at pictures and I was like, wait a minute, like 
They had a trash tray. Trash is gone, yeah. So it's going to be things on top of your car, like solar panels, like you. Yeah, well, see, our solar panels were installed with um, special screws that you, yeah. like, you, you don't have, you wouldn't have in a Swiss Army knife or something. Light bars, solar panels, yeah. expensive like gear that you have on the outside of your van, you'd want to probably secure down yeah. for sure. And don't look at getting those kind of security screws in Latin America because you're lucky if you can get nuts and bolts sometimes. Yeah. I do that kind of thing or arrange to have it done. If anyone's thinking about doing the trip that we did and going to South America and driving north, you've got to realise it's a lot mm -hmm. harder to equip for things like that. Mm -hmm. You have to order that in. But it's a really good tip. Um, you were asking about roof security. So, mm. you know, for the most part, um, we back, back in South America, we built two huge boxes, which turned out to be a yeah, mistake right. because they were too heavy and like caused the combi to burn a few motors. Yeah. But we built those for security so that we could keep our stuff locked up when we were away from the van. Right. Then when we got rid of that, we put surfboards up, we built a frame out of metal, it was really crap, but it did the job. It was able to be locked with a padlock so mm -hmm. the surfboards couldn't be stolen. And if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have had the surfboards. Right. And then when we got to the US, we got we picked up Tooley as a sponsor. so. They gave us a huge, properly designed, properly secure roof box, yeah, which, which is now the most secure location on the van because you can't take that thing off unless you take the whole roof yeah. rack off, which they would do if they right. had enough time. We had we had locks on our uh, the roof the, the connection point between the roof rack and um, the top. You're kidding. Yeah, well, so we, you we could, had locks. Uh, so you couldn't off, yeah. take your roof rack off. So you couldn't. You could. Yeah. So That's couldn't genius. Take, yeah, it's, it's great. Definitely. But who does that? Uh, Yakima. Nice. Yeah, uh, I'm sure I would imagine Tuli does too. But uh, hey, Tuli. Yeah. Um, when we were in Latin America, everybody thought our rooftop, uh, our cargo box, was a boat. Everybody, every <laughs> single person was like, "Trying with a boat, huh?" <laughs> Where are you going? And, or, and like the, every time we got stopped, every single time we got stopped, the border people would be like, "It's in the boat." <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. I wanted that. to put like a rudder on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we have on for the surfboards now as well. We have the Tooley, um straps, which are mm. lockable, so it's like looks like a regular okay. kind of cool. like ratchet strap or yeah. just I don't know um, cargo strap, but it has a metal line running through it, so yeah. you can't cut it with just scissors or a knife. You need like a, some like wire cutters. Right, 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 right. So we, I mean, it's I, not. It's I, just like delaying the ceiling, like the exactly. Theft process. At the end of the day, if if they want to get in, you yeah. know, and they have time to get in, they'll get in. They will, you yeah. know, um, but. Yeah. If you don't give them that time or don't make it so obvious, then you can you can deter that. You know. I think it's key to have um, hidden places for your um, important items. We have a hidden mm -hmm. location where we keep stuff like passports and mm -hmm. you know money. Like if we take out a bunch of money one time or whatever across the border, right. Right. Um, you know, because they're not likely to find those things if they were to get in and and, and steal things. Because you can literally have your dirty underwear stolen if someone breaks into your car, if you're not yeah. there, if they have enough time and that, you know, often you'll park it up and they'll, it happened to a couple of ours that was traveling in another combi, Swiss couple in Bolivia, they just watched them leave to go to the market for breakfast. Yeah. One person stayed in the van and watched them yeah. and the other. Who, who is it? Um, the Swiss couple? The, uh, they don't have a social profile no. or anything. They're just low key. Okay. Yeah. But um, cool people. And yeah, they had the, all of their stuff stolen. Uh, from the dirty underwear to like really? spare glasses and yeah. 
They didn't have, like, I think they had a camera stolen. Most people travel with a camera or a laptop, mm. and when you look into a van and you see it, that it's a house, you think there's going to be at least a camera in there. You know, I, um, before going down, I, I intended to bring down, I, I, I thought that saving old credit cards would be good to have, old IDs would be good. If, if that, that situation I was in with the, old, with, with the cop uh, mm -hmm. who took my ID, had I passed him an old expired ID, That's a good then I wouldn't worry about it. Mm -hmm. I could just leave. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people do travel with a dummy, yeah, that, yeah, dummy wallet. Yeah, yeah, dummy wallet. wallet. And then also, um, I think it would be a good one. A good one would be to have, uh, like, you can go to, I worked at a camera store, and so I would just see the amount of broken cameras that come in. Get a broken camera. I mean, everybody breaks cameras. You know, instead mm. of throwing it away, keep a little broken camera. Don't leave it out in your van, mm. but leave it in kind of like an, in your glove compartment or something like mm. that, so that when you do get robbed, and I'm saying when you get robbed, not if you get robbed, <laughs> yeah. um, but when you get robbed, they maybe will find that before they find your other stuff, and be cool with that and you know have, of, yeah. feel good to have found something and, and yeah. be out of there you know yeah, yeah definitely good to have something yeah uh, yeah I agree with that we never did do that that was dumb of us but should have yeah it's always well, well the only time you've been robbed really is when you had when I've been you got the computer. I've been robbed every single time I've been down to Latin America in your car um, every time was has been uh, either out of my hostel out of my backpack on a oh, bus, yeah. Yeah. not face-to-face -face encounters, yeah. but every single time. But what about from your van? Like, uh, yeah, when we went down to South America in Costa Rica, our first night in Costa Rica, and this was this was hard for us because it was really easy. It was really easy for us to just have this like really negative idea of Costa Rica because it was rainy the whole time we were there, and our first night we got robbed, uh, and it was more of a kind of like getting taken advantage of situation, which ended up being kind of shitty. But like at the end of the day, the guy got away with my wallet, which had about a hundred dollars cash in it because we had just come across the border and I'd just changed money. Um, and uh, Madison's broken iPhone, which that she had, she was sleeping, and we were we had were sleeping with our door open, which I think a lot of people would say is dumb. But when you are in Latin America on the coast mm. with four people in a van that has mm. no fans or anything, mm. it gets really really hot. Yeah, really Air is hot. still; it's really humid. We'd have the back, the trunk open, and the side door open. We did have a screen door because there are a lot of bugs. So we had a little screen here, and we figured that because our heads are right here, if someone tried to get in, we would hear them. Mm. Um, we what we didn't realize is at that point we'd gotten so used to having four people in the van and hearing people get in and out mm. throughout the night for using the bathroom and stuff that we just wouldn't wake up to any noises. And this mm. guy unclipped uh, Madison's iPhone from her headphones that she had in her ear and then reached into. Um, a backpack that was pretty close, which was dumb to have it that close to the door. Um, but I think that after a period of time, somewhere you start to feel a little secure, you start to feel safe, and it's easy to like loosen yeah. up yeah, and slip up a little bit. You know, yeah. you can't get down on yourself for that yeah. um, because that will happen. Um, but uh, he, Joel's passport was missing, uh, but I found it in the bushes, which I was interesting because passports hold value, you mm. know. But I think that this guy. We, we actually asked around uh, at the beach that we were at, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that was Jimmy." You know, he. He's the beach thief. You know, he stole your stuff. He, his dad lives right over there. So we went to his dad's house, and like he's like, "Oh my goddamn son!" You know, like I'm so sorry. And it was really, it was really, it was really sad. But like, um, did you get your stuff back? No, I didn't get his stuff back. But I think that he has been doing it so much at, the, at that place that he didn't want to involve authorities and knew that if a, he steals a passport, then all of a sudden it becomes much more than just like a stolen wallet. Mm. Yeah. And then it becomes a thing. And then um, yeah. So we got the passport. Um, but yeah, I lost my cards and stuff. But. You know that that was partly on us for feeling comfortable enough to. Uh, yeah, you do get complacent. I guess is the word, right? Yeah, totally. Um, totally. And it's that, it's that finding finding that balance of of being open but not you know uh, too open, 
reserved, but not too reserved to the point that you aren't enjoying where you are. Yeah. yeah. You know? We definitely had people put their hands in the vehicles, try the doors in the yeah. night. Yeah. I had a guy try to steal a battery um, whilst I was sleeping. And obviously yeah. in the bus, my head's above the, the battery. Yeah. So I just woke up with the sound of the engine going, yeah. and it makes a noise. <laughs> yeah. I, you can't really sleep through that. Uh, this, yeah. this taxi, I kind of woke up when the taxi pulled in, but um, I heard this taxi pull behind and I was snoozing and then all, like a few guys got out and then, then I was like, the door opened and I was like, what? And I jumped out of the of bed just in my boxer shorts and just like <laughs> ran around the back. and was like, ¿Qué <laughs> Really loud and he's here, like, what are you doing? And he's like, no, 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 no. And he jumped in the, in the taxi. And it wasn't until afterwards that I realized that, hey, there was like five of those guys. You know, like oh, if really? I hadn't like, got the element of surprise on them, yeah. they didn't expect someone to be sleeping in a bus. You right. know? But I don't right. keep my right. engine locked in the bus and I can and I used to, yeah. but I don't because if there's a fire, I don't want to be looking for the key for yeah. the engine. What would they steal back there though? There's two batteries. Oh, your batteries, right? Yeah, and yeah. in Mexico, there's a lot of okay. Volkswagen engines, so. Yeah. yeah. To the beach. <laughs> we'll, we'll be there shortly. Um, well, that's another good point, Trey, because uh, you didn't mention that you had the machete with you um, to scare them off in your underwear. Yeah. But mm. I think a lot of people will feel safer having stuff like um, pepper spray, pepper spray in sure, their yeah, car. Yeah. And Do you want to, Leah, you know, when we first got to the States, you were there. Um, like, we're talking about Latin America. Like, yeah. personally, I felt less safe arriving in the USA. That's what I was telling Aiden just before. Yeah, I felt a lot safer in Mexico than I did when I crossed over to San Diego. And we had a lot more trouble with people there than we did in Mexico. You remember that guy? Yeah. Yep. In the United tell States? The story better. Oh, no, yeah, tell No, so this is on you, Leah. I oh. want to know. Tell the guys about this, the guy. Well, we, we were just, we were parked up in a suburban street next to um, Ocean Beach and... Um, it was night time, we were brushing our teeth, and a guy, you walked off to, to, to take a last couple of walk. Abandoned you. Abandoned me alone. <laughs> and uh, a guy came up and just, he seemed really out of it. Obviously, he was on drugs, um, homeless. And he was just being quite, um, how would you describe him? Because he wasn't being threatening, it's but he was behavior. being very, like... Aggressive. No, it was like passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive, yeah. Like, he wouldn't leave you. Like, he was getting quite yeah, close okay. to us. Yeah. He kind of didn't say anything. He was just staring at me and... Um, creepy. Just being creepy, yeah. yeah. And I thought, like, oh, okay, is he going to steal something or is he just going to... I don't know, he just... And you actually approached him and he was being quite... Yeah, I was aware of this out the corner of my eye. Like, as I was crossing the road, abandoning Leah, I was aware that there was this guy there and I was kind of hung back to see, is he passing? Is he, is he seem friendly? And he just did, seemed odd. He was just yeah. standing by the tree, like a few yards away from the door, just staring. And it was dark, and we we're on the streets, you know. And like we were like, so I, I went back and said, "Hey, man, how you doing?" Like engage him in conversation, see if he's okay. He was a bit odd, though, right? He was, because you don't really see um, like that behaviour in Latin America. Like mm -hmm. people on drugs are completely fucking right. out of it on drugs. It's and true. Um, true. also in America, like the gun culture is a lot more. Like I don't know. Did you experience anyone that just? In Latin America, people don't just carry around guns. You right? do see a lot of guns, and there are a lot of guns in like El Salvador, Guatemala, and some countries. But um, I think I'm more aware of the gun culture because it hits the news a lot more. Or at least I see it on the news in the US. In the US and yeah. so I was thinking, normally I would go up to somebody, and I feel fairly confident because I've had to do it before. Whip out the machete and go crazy. Like I would never hurt anybody, but just look like I have. But in the US, they could have a gun on them and just like. And right. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't until that moment that I first felt vulnerable on the trip. Up yeah. until that point, I at least felt like if I'm by my car, I've got my yeah. machete, I can chase them home. Yeah. I think it's just it's it's touching on what we were saying earlier. 
about the fact that each country is going to have a set of good and a set of bad. Yeah, you know, and that's you that's going to be everywhere, mm -hmm. you know. And mm -hmm. in the United States, it's much more so because it's such a large country, you know. Like there's mm -hmm. so there's just more opportunity for a whole lot more of, you know, the bad stuff. Which, yeah. Yeah. There's there's really definitely sucks. some there's a big division in class and somewhat of a drug problem on the streets of the US which isn't prevalent on the streets of Latin America mm -hmm. which is interesting we weren't expecting it and I, I think it's good that you brought up the fact that security is not just a Latin America based no. concern when you're living in the van you're on the streets of wherever you are mm -hmm. so you have to have your wits about you not, like judging your environment I drove into um, Peru one time. Uh, we were in search of a, a wave that was at the end of this uh, 60 kilometer dirt track and we just ran out of gas when we got there and the lady at the restaurant sold us just enough gas to get us stuck at the end of the road and not back again but the end of the road was this village that was in the book our, our surf guide book that said do not stop here worst place on earth <laughs> super dangerous you know it was just like completely avoid at all costs yeah. And as we rolled into town looking for gas, like people just started coming out of their houses and following us. And, yeah. mm. um, you know, they were like, everybody was staring at us and not in a good way. You know, yeah. and it was dark and we were in this town that we knew it was dangerous. The gas um, attendant wouldn't give us any gas. And then we ended up going to the police station and saying, we need gas to get out of here and we feel unsafe. Can you mm. help us? Yeah. And like we ended up sleeping in the police station actually. That's a, that's a that's a really good. Um, we 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 did that too sometimes. Uh, knowing Red Cross uh, and police stations are generally places that you can sleep if you yeah. roll into a city. Uh, we we would really make a point to try and get to wherever we were camping before it got dark. Mm -hmm. um, it just made it a lot easier to find camp spots, you know, True. because we would be camping in fields and, and soccer fields or people's you know properties or whatever, uh, side of the road, pullouts, you know, stuff like that. We really avoided cities because there were four of us. We had to have our pop top popped all the time and when the pop top was popped it's really obvious that we were in there mm. uh, so we avoided cities um and camped outside and like you know the country and stuff um but uh i think that um the, the, the police like um you were saying that the police are like a really you can rely on them as a safe place to right it's like you know if some, sometimes you are inevitably going to get into a town at night you yeah know? and sometimes that town's not going to be sometimes hard to know what the town's going to be like because you don't know anything about it or you don't know how far you're gonna make it and you just end up where you end up, you know? And if it feels like an unsafe place, generally the police station is, you know, a pretty good spot mm -hmm. to go to. They'll, they'll, I think, always let you stay. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, I've had the police come up to me, um, wake me up in my van and I'm thinking, oh, they're gonna, here we go, they're gonna ask me to move on. Mm -hmm. And they've just said, dude, you're in a bad barrio. Right, totally, Like, totally. come with me and yeah. we'll, you can park outside the station till the morning. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I have mm -hmm. like, Two interesting situations when that happened. It happened a bunch of times, but yeah. once was because the policeman shot a guy right outside the combi on our first day of the trip in, oh. in Argentina. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a big shock. And we didn't really know if we could trust the police because it didn't look like the police should have shot the guy. It was yeah. really like dodgy. Yeah. But we ended up sleeping in the, in the police station. And once in Colombia when we first arrived, and they took us to one police station, one of two in mm -hmm. town, and the other one got a car bomb set off outside it. Wow. Holy so, shit. like, if 50 50 chance, we could have been parked up next to that. Mm. Damn. But yeah, I mean, like, rough. that is exceptional, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, the police station is a good place to go. I tell you, another good place to go if you're really concerned and you're not sure about where you are is a pharmacy, a 24 hour pharmacy. Oh, that's a good call. Any place that's like got, um, yeah, a, a couple of um, German lesbians that I met in Bolivia told me that yeah, one. That's a good call. They were I like, hey, if we're not sure that. about the town, we'll park yeah. at the 24 hour pharmacy because yeah. we prefer people to be coming past yeah. than be stuck in a quiet, 
like place where people can see that they can get away with coming a lot of the places uh, pharmacies or 24 hour pharmacies will have like armed guards mm. too. yeah that's true mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can get to watch yeah. a firefight. Uh, we stayed at a police station in um, Nicaragua, I think. Uh, we were just come in and it was super late, and I can't remember where we were, but um, the place were funny. We made him a spaghetti dinner and drank rum with them, and <laughs> they wanted <laughs> they wanted our gas from our gas tanks. We're like, no, motherfuckers, <laughs> that's our gas. You know? Give me some rum and food. But yeah, no. can't blame them for trying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were pretty funny. Yeah, so- go on. I was just saying, like, to, like, we've been talking about, like, a lot of bad situations that can happen, but generally, like, the whole time that you've been, like, for however many years and you, it's been very there's, rare to come across, like... There's so many awesome people everywhere, yeah. like, yeah. so many helpful people, yeah. and, like, yeah, totally, it's, it's really easy to focus on all the bad stuff, because that stuff really sticks out in your mind a lot yeah. of the times, as it should, you know? And we talk about them so people can learn, and so you know what, what to, you know, right. what's the right. best way to get out of, out of it, or how to deal with those situations. Yeah. I think, like, the takeaway um, thing about the banditos should be, um, yes, you have to be aware. Um, No, it shouldn't put you off. Um, You know, as much crime can happen in your hometown, there's probably more murders in Chicago Mm -hmm. than there is in half of the places that I visited, apart from the murder capital of the world in Honduras, which I hitchhiked through. It was not advisable. (laughs) But, you know, like, that shouldn't put you off. There are measures that you can take to prevent the you know like you should always research beforehand anyways the countries that you go to no matter where you go just so you you know i think going into the situation knowing that you can be as prepared as ever but no matter what things are going to be out of your control and to allow yourself to let go of some of that control a little bit yeah is really healthy Mm -hmm. and to just know to know that there's good people everywhere Mm -hmm. and that despite situations being shitty sometimes you know, there's a whole lot out there that is worth that, you know, that price. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, I would go back, despite anything that, or everything that's happened to me, and like I said, I've gotten pretty lucky in a lot of situations where I haven't had to deal with a lot of stuff, I would absolutely, go, it's my favorite place, I would absolutely go back to Latin America, you know, oh, wow. drop of a pin, or drop of a, what, drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Drop of a hat pin. A hat pin, yeah. <laughs> and van life is pretty sweet in Latin America. It's different. It's funny, though, because, like, that was my first van life. Yeah, you know, right. That was my introduction to van life. Oh. First time I lived in a van was in Latin America. Yeah, right. And so being back here now is really funny because it's like plush, you know, like <laughs> camping everywhere, you know. Yeah. Like, you don't have to worry about it. Like, um, sure, I, like if I'm camping in the middle of L.A., then, yeah, I might feel a little sketched out some places, like without a doubt, like you were saying. But it's really easy. I mean, it's just so set up for camping here, mm. um, especially on the West Coast, that it's easy. It's so easy and... I like that. That's that's something I really missed while in Latin America. But there's also just a whole different culture of van life here mm. that is really fun to be a part of. That I really missed in Latin America because it was it was just different. It was really cool. But when you hang around Latin America, you see a lot of German people who are older traveling around in their like really nice uh, set up vans, or you see Argentinians uh, traveling around in their like super broke down vans, and mm. it's just. And it's cool to like you know be a part of both those things, but then it's also cool to come back here and just like be part of the van community in the United States because there's a very 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 strong and prevalent van community in the United States, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, so. I'm sure a lot of them are watching and listening right now. Um, the way we first became aware of you is by following your photography. Um, you are um, you are a filmmaker, mm-hmm. um, and you do share some inspiring stuff. So. Yeah, 
how can people follow you? Tell us what it is you'll be doing and... Sure. Um, I, right now I'm doing, uh, focusing on Instagram. Uh, right now I'm kind of like in between, I finished Final Heroes and then that led into a really cool uh, chapter of work with uh, Subaru and Backpacker. And that was really, that was really sweet. Um, but after two years of really focusing on a directive, uh, whether it being Van Harris or Backpacker, it was, I really wanted an opportunity to just like take a breath. And this summer has been that opportunity to do that. But now I'm starting to feel a little antsy. And so I'm going to start uh, getting into my next project. But um, Instagram is probably the best way to continue following the, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff. The, what kind the of stuff, stuff can we expect to see on the feed? Um, well, the next few, uh, the next few steps, the next project, I think will be um, something along the lines of cruising over to Europe uh, to trace back the lineage of owners of this van and kind of explore who this van was to those people and what it meant to them. I mean, this van means a lot to me in the short time that I've owned it. Yeah. And um, I'm curious about, you know, this van's 30 years old, you know, who, where has it been in 30 years? Who's owned it? And what are those people like? What yeah. types of adventures did they have That's in this such car? such a good idea. So we'll be able to follow this process on Instagram mm -hmm. and like... Yeah, Aiden Klemenko, just my personal Instagram. That's, yeah. uh, that's, that's what I'll be posting to for the next few months as I prepare for this. And then as I get the ball rolling with it, this is, you know, I'm in the early stages right now, but as I get the ball rolling with it, then uh, there'll be, it'll be, um, I'll let everybody know where. Yeah, I'm looking Where forward to seeing it. Where and what it'll be, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm really excited about it too. I'm excited to have another uh, something to work towards. And yeah, it's a great project, and to... like you're a really talented storyteller. So mm -hmm. I know, like, you're going to find an awesome story in yeah. this. Yeah, thank you. It's going to be interesting excited. watching those travels over to oh, Europe. Uh, I'll find you guys over there. Yeah, yeah. we're hoping yeah. That we're going to have yeah. a little meet up in yeah, Europe. That'd be cool. The Show timing might just work out, and yeah. if we're in the same part of the world, we'll get together as we always do. That'd be sweet. It's been a pleasure chatting Thank with you. you so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. Other useful information. Yeah, definitely. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Like I said before, I wish you could have been there with us, but it would have to be slightly bigger than a V-Dub synchro to fit us all in. Remember, our podcast is now available on iTunes, so go and subscribe to it so that you can get the next installment. I think soon we're going to be talking with Chris Travels about how to live full-time on the road, which will be a very interesting subject to a lot of you also so be sure not to miss it by subscribing to either our youtube channel or our new podcast on itunes both of which are combi life yeah go subscribe to both that's what you need to be doing all right until next time guys thanks again and happy travels